Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a great joy to be here. I am so excited that you have chosen to come and join with us this day in worship and celebration of God and of what God continues to do in and through God's church in the world so that we can make a difference on behalf of Jesus Christ. I, I am uh, excited that we get to start a brand new sermon series this week. Uh, this sermon series is called Identity. And so if you are new here, uh, I, I am just excited that you are with us. It's actually a worship series. It's this idea of all the things that we do uh, in worship can bring us closer to understanding who we are and whose we are in Jesus Christ. So identity is really where we're going to start, and we're going to jump in here in just a minute. But again, if you're new here, thanks for joining us. Thank you for coming to be a part of what God is continuing to do in and through Cassidy uh, in the world and the community around us. Uh, I'm excited to see all of the things that are going on. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, we are not waiting for a movement from God. We are experiencing God's movement right here and right now. In our midst, God is moving, and people that are far from God are, are growing near to Him. People that had no idea who Jesus was and the message of salvation uh, are, are coming to life in Jesus Christ. And, and that gets my blood going. I'm, I'm super excited about it. So if you're interested in joining us on this journey, we would love to have you because we realize that we're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus Christ. And so we want to invite you uh, to come on this journey with us and, and grow in relationship with God and in relationship with one another. One of the things that I've been uh, thinking about for quite some time is this concept of this worship series uh, entitled, again, Identity. It came from a picture that I ended up buying. It was one of the only Facebook ads I have ever had that was useful, and it's a picture of a, a fingerprint, except when you look at it, each line of the fingerprint is one of 66 books, one line from each of the 66 books of the Bible. Uh, down here, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis, and it goes all the way to Alleluia from Revelation. And my, my concept is, what if what if we allowed our identity to come so much from who God is and so much from uh, who, what God is doing in and through us that all of the fingerprints we left all over everything that we do contained all of the words of God in, in Scripture, all of the, the, the way that we are called to live and breathe and move made such an impact that everyone saw clearly even our fingerprints had God all over them. That's my hope uh, for this series. And, and, and it, it also comes from this concept of identity in our culture. Uh, I don't know if you were one of the uh, friends that I apparently sent a, a Facebook uh, friend invite to. Uh, this past week, I, I got several people that told me, hey man, your Facebook's been hacked. Someone's trying to steal your identity. Uh, and honestly, my Facebook wasn't hacked. My, my, my username and password were all secure. Uh, however, uh, somebody had taken my picture 
uh, for whatever reason, and decided they wanted to use my identity to try and trick people into giving money. The way the scam works typically is that uh, they send a friend invite, a friend request. You, se- you accept because you're like, hey, aren't I already friends with them? Yes, I know them. No problem. You accept that friend request, and then a chat message opens up. And they're like, hey, hope things are going well. I would love it if you could help me. And for some reason, to get out of jail or whatever con- uh, you know, bad situation that they were saying that I was in, you had to send uh, iTunes gift cards or Amazon gift cards. I, I don't know how that would truly help, uh, but that's, that's, that's the scam that they were after. Uh, also, a couple of weeks ago, here at church, Somebody was using our phone number. They were spoofing our phone number so that they could use that for calls to try and scam people out of other money. And, and it just boggles my mind. First off, why would they hack? My, why would they come after my identity? Like, uh, go after somebody that has people that, that would, would be willing to help, uh, people that are interested in that. And so uh, when we think about identity, I mean, identity theft is one of those things that can, can come into our mind, but uh, there's also the concept of gender identity, uh, racial identity, ethnic identity. Uh, there's so many things that are topics that we hear about um, all over the news, all over the media, all over social media that we're, we're saying, hey, identity is kind of a hot topic right now. And that's one of the things that we're going to look at. There's a, a guy from, that makes his living by making videos on YouTube. And he, uh, he decided that he wanted to identify uh, as a Korean. And, and I, I say that not so that I can ridicule or poke fun at him, uh, but just saying that identity is, is so, so profound now that now it, it can be even somebody saying, hey, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not a Caucasian anymore. Now I'm Korean. And he's gone as f- so far as to have surgery done, plastic surgery, so that he can look more Korean. Now, most people that are going that far to try and and, uh, embrace their identity, not necessarily change their identity, the language they use is that they are that's who they are at their core, and they just are letting that uh, their their outside appearance match what's already on the inside. Now, I while I may agree or disagree with uh, doing plastic surgery so that you can resemble a different ethnicity, uh, I do agree with the concept that our inside, that our outside needs to match what's on our inside. And identity is one of those, one of those words in the English language that, that really is difficult for us to, to articulate. It's hard for us to, I mean, it's easy for us to understand what identity is, but it's more difficult for us to say it, to, to articulate it, to, to provide a definition if somebody asks us, what does identity mean? And it's even hard for those folks that do uh, dictionaries online, those types of things, to come up with a, an adequate definition. Here's what I mean. This is from Merriam-Webster. Identity is the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. The fact of being who or what a person or thing is. A chest of drawers is a chest of drawers because it is a chest that is filled with drawers. Really, what they're trying to say is a thing has its identity because it is that thing. 
And that's what makes it that thing. And, and uh, a newer definition, a more recent definition, uh, because the English language is always changing, uh, is this, a close similarity or affinity. And that one caught me kind of off guard because I believe identity goes deeper. Uh, Identity is not just affinity. Identity speaks to the core of who we are, who we are in the, the, the depth of our understanding, who we are inside as well as who we are on the outside. And we kind of understand this because, again, if I were to come up to you and ask, hey, what is identity? Uh, it would be hard for you to describe and, and to state, because, even with those definitions, because identity is one of those human concepts that is hard for us to, to share. It's just one of those things that we all understand. We don't necessarily all have the ability to say what we understand it to be, though. Identity goes beneath the surface. And so to start this this worship series, to start this step in the direction of understanding our identity in Christ, really our first question is this, what does it mean to identify as a Christian? What does it mean to identify as a Christian? And I, I wanted to start there because I don't know if you have experienced this, but recently in conversations with people, one of the things that I have noticed is people are saying things like, uh, I want to, I, I'm a Christ follower, not a Christian, right? They, they, they're, they're trying to give this perspective that, uh, that maybe Christians aren't all that they're cracked up to be. They're not, you, it, it's easy to claim to be a Christian, but it's harder to be a Christ follower. And, and, and while I understand what is being said, and, and maybe I take a step back from that because I, I, don't, I don't want to give over that term, Christian, to not being somebody who follows Christ. Because Christian literally, uh, it, it came from the town, actually it was a derogatory term. I don't know if you know this. Christian was a derogatory term that started in a place called Antioch. It was one of the places that Paul had planted a church and in Antioch, they, they started calling those who followed the way, which was what the early Christians were called, those who followed the way, they started calling them Christians, which literally translated to little Christ or baby Christ or infant Christ. It's this concept of, oh, look at the cute baby Christ. He's trying to convince everybody else that they need to be like Christ. And it's so, but Paul and Peter both embrace that and we're like, that is what we are. We are to be little Christ. And so when, when people say, hey, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to be known as a Christian, I'm like, well, I do, totally. I want everything about me to be Christ-centered and Christ-oriented and, and my identity, I find my identity at my core, at the deepest parts of who I am. I want to find Christ as my core. And so that's kind of the, the hope that I have in, in this series, that we will learn to embrace that. And, and as those who follow the way, Jesus, that we can be little Christ. We can be more and more like Jesus each and every moment. And so and that's the, this direction that we're going to move. And, and, and the question is then, how do we get there? How do we allow God so much in us 
that we are truly embracing this identity of Christ as we live for Christ, we move for Christ, everything we do is for Christ. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to take it in, in a few parts. We're going to look through the book in the New Testament. It's a letter that was written by Paul to a church in Ephesus. Um, it's called the letter to the Ephesians or the epistle to the Ephesians. And we're going to take a look at that. Uh, and, and, and get some understanding on it. Before we go there, though, I want us to, um, to have a little time to understand when we call ourselves Christian, what is it that we are allowing to modify our Christianity? Or are we putting Christ first in everything? Here's what I mean. I have a, a good friend. Uh, his name is Harry, and Harry is a, uh, uh, he's a Baptist pastor in St. Louis. He's a black man, and he ran a, before Ferguson happened in St. Louis, before the modern racial tension that we were experiencing, he came to the church that I was a member at and, and did a men's retreat. And at this men's retreat, we, we were talking about racial tension, and he, he started his conversation by saying, I, I just want you to know that I am a Christian first. Too many people modify their Christianity with something else. They're a black Christian or a white Christian or a feminist Christian or a LGBTQ Christian or some other way that they are modifying their Christianity. We could even take it further and say, I'm a Republican Christian or an evangelical Christian or a democratic Christian. What he said and what really impacted me in that moment, and I have carried with me, obviously, because we're talking about it here years later, he said, we need to be Christian first, because our Christianity needs to modify everything else. Our Christianity needs to modify our ethnicity. So whether you're white or black, be a Christian who happens to be white, or a Christian who happens to be black, or a Christian who happens to have any ethnicity, or a Christian who is, uh, who is focused on the evangelical view, or the Republican view, or whatever view you hold, do not let that view tarnish, taint, or, or affect your Christianity. At the core, be Christian. And, and that's, that's one of those things that has, has stuck with me, like I said, and means so much to me because I don't want anything, anything to get in the way of my understanding of who Christ is and what Christ is calling me to. And that even means sometimes we have to set our biases aside. Sometimes we have to set our own desires aside so that we can let Christ change us and work on us. And so that's step one is recognizing that who Christ is needs to be first and foremost in our life. And step two is to take a look at who we are and, and why we truly need Jesus. And in that, in that letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them and at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. 
like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. But because of His great love for us, because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. The concept that Paul wants us to recognize is that we have a need for Jesus. We have a need for... There's nothing that we have done. We haven't been good enough. We haven't been strong enough. We haven't been smart enough. We haven't... Even if we grew up in the church, we haven't done enough to earn the favor and grace of God. As a matter of fact, just the opposite. We've done just enough to earn the wrath of God. We are worthy of God's wrath. And this is language that, that bugs us. And I'm going to get even further into it. The truth is we're sinners in need of a Savior. I remember having a conversation with my dad a while back, and uh, he had been talking to somebody, and they were telling him about something that they were doing. And my dad looked at him and said, well, that's a sin. And it stopped the conversation because nobody wants to hear that come out of anybody else's mouth. When you are confronted by the truth that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, that, that, that means that you can't do it on your own. You can't do enough. You're not worthy enough. You're not good enough. There is no hope apart from Jesus Christ. That's the gift that we receive in Christ, but it's also the difficulty that we have to recognize, that we need to understand that we need Jesus, that, that we aren't uh, standing above others. That's the problem that the Pharisees, the, the folks that Jesus was in conflict with all of the time during his earthly ministry, that was their problem. They believed they were more righteous than those around them. And Jesus said, it's not about that. You have all fallen short. In the words of Paul, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet, Jesus still offers grace to us. So we are sinners, yes, and we need Jesus so much because that grace covers over our brokenness and sin. In 1 John, he says it this way, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins. Now that's, that's the difficulty we have. We, 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 we like to go to God and just ask for forgiveness. I, I think this is one of those pictures, one of those things that we did away with when the, Protestant, when the Protestant movement started and they said, hey, we're not going to do certain things, uh, one of the things they did away with was confession. And I, I think confession is good for the soul. I think confession is one of those things that we need. Uh, and, and so we have made confession quiet. I'm going to confess to God and only God, which was the intent. But the problem is if we only confess to God, no one can help to carry that burden with us. And so we confess to one another and to God so that God can come into our lives. And, and recognizing that we are broken is not bad. It isn't wrong to recognize that we are broken. What's wrong is to believe that we deserve what God has given to us in the grace that we receive in Jesus Christ. 
There's a parable that Jesus tells between one of those Pharisees and a tax collector. And the Pharisee went to the temple and he, he's praying big, loud prayers, proud of himself, wearing all of the right things and having done all of the right things. And he says, thank you, God, for not making me like these other men, not like this tax collector over here. And, and then the tax collector, in his brokenness, in his need for someone to step in and his need for God to forgive him in order to be forgiven, he says this, have God have mercy on me, a sinner. God have mercy on me, a sinner. And, and Jesus said, who, who was the one that was right? It was the tax collector, the one that you ridicule, the one that you think is so far from, from God, and they are the one that recognize that they need God. And, and Jesus wants us to recognize that we need God. We can't do this on our own. We have received grace from Christ. And, and what does it mean then to grow in that relationship, to fully embrace the identity of Christ in, in, in our moving toward Jesus. And that's, that's the first thing we need to do is move toward Jesus because everything, every time we take a step toward Jesus, we are taking a step away from our sinful nature, from our brokenness, from the things that hold us back. And, and, and the first thing that we all need to do, each and every one of us, each and every day is recognize your need for Jesus that you need that Savior, you need the salvation that Jesus offers, and you need to embrace and live in that moment, in that hope. You are a sinner in need of a Savior. And second is you need to repent of your sin. And these are, I, I love I love having conversations like this with people because the difficulty is none of these words are things people are excited about. Repent. That's not a, you know, we don't, we don't like talking about that. We don't like talking about sin. We don't like talking about these things. And, and here's the deal. We need to understand that when, when we talk about repentance, a lot of times what we, have, uh, what we understand is we need to ask God for forgiveness. Repentance is not the same thing as forgiveness because you can ask for forgiveness and fully intend on doing whatever it was again. So if you told a lie to your parents when you were a kid uh, and you said, I'm so sorry, yet you fully intended on doing whatever it was again, that's not asking for repentance or that's not repenting, that's asking for forgiveness. Repentance really means turning away. It is that you are moving in one direction and you are turning away. Whatever that brokenness is in your life, you turn away from that and move into a different direction. With Jesus, it is moving away from the sin and brokenness of our lives into the direction of life and hope that is Jesus. And, and, and the reality is this, it, it's only when we repent of our sin that we can be set free from our sin. Because it's when we allow God to, to change our direction, when we recognize whatever it is that's causing us to live in a broken manner, whatever it is that we're holding on to, whatever it is that, that is deep in our heart that no one else knows about, 
Whatever that is, it's when we, we turn that over to Jesus and he helps us to turn our path around, to change our direction, to repent of the brokenness of this world, of the brokenness in our lives, and to embrace the hope that we have in Jesus. Now, I realize this is not like everybody was, hey, this is going to be a great new sermon series. It's all about who we are in Jesus. And yet I'm starting out by talking about repentance. I'm starting out by talking about sin. And so our hope is that you recognize, hey, you're not in this alone. Maybe you're having trouble getting through something. You are not in this alone. We are together in this, and we are together with God in this, because God has put us together in this community of faith, in this church, to grow in relationship to one another and in relationship to Him, to have one another to, to lean on, to, to hold fast to, and to grow in relationship with. We have uh, so many things that we have available to us, and I wanted just to invite you and say, hey, if you are struggling, if you're trying to figure out your way, if you're new to this Christian walk, or if you've been doing it for years, and yet you don't feel like you're moving any closer to God, I want to invite you to take a step in the direction of Jesus. In the upcoming weeks, here at Cassidy, we're starting our Wednesday night connection once again, starting on September 8th, and that's going to be an opportunity for us to come together as the family of God so that we can join and have some fellowship and, and food together, because what would a Methodist thing be without some food? And then we will have time for dedicated Bible study from children all the way up through adults. We have things for everybody, and, and, and we want to encourage you to be a part of that. If you're only part of our online community, you can still be a part of it because I am offering a, a disciple class and that's going to have an online component. And so if you're interested in that, let us know in the chat or in the comments or send an email to us because we want to help one another, all of us, to grow in our identity of who we are and whose we are. Jesus offers us freedom from sin and brokenness. Jesus offers us life, not just an okay life, but a life filled with abundance, His presence. And when we take and recognize the core of who we are, then we can truly start to move in the direction of Jesus Christ. Christians, Christ followers, those little Christs find their identity in Jesus. And we need to start by recognizing our need for Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, we confess our brokenness before you. We are not worthy. We are not good enough. We're not strong enough. We're not smart enough. We haven't done it right enough. But God, your grace is offered to us. And so help us to recognize that you are our core and that we are yours in everything we do. Help us to be more like Jesus. Help us to take a step in the direction of Jesus. And God, I just pray that if there is someone out there today that hears your message for them, and their heart is being strangely warmed and moved in your direction, that you would embrace them, that you would pour out your Spirit upon them and help them to take that step across the line of faith 
to receive the gift of Jesus Christ, that they have been one way, but they can be another, that you can bring them to life and that you can give them a brand new identity. God, we pray this in the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, amen.